Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to share a bit of news with you. So one thing is staying the same. If you are a patron of The Real Question, you are never going to hear an ad on The Real Question. However, there's going to be a small change, which is that if you are not a patron of The Real Question, every once in a while, you might start to hear an occasional ad. Our model for selling ads has changed. So instead of hearing specific ads for specific shows, you'll be hearing the same ads across Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, The Real Question, and Hot and Bothered. And if you support us on Patreon, even just for a dollar a month, you'll still never hear an ad. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. It's Allison. I think that you turn middle age when you're 42, maybe 43. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. My name is Kristen, and I think age is very arbitrary, but perhaps middle age is around 40. Hi, Vanessa and Casper. My name is Scott, and gay male culture would have us believe that we may as well be dead when we turn 30. But I actually think that we hit middle age somewhere between 40 and 45. I'm Casper Tekile. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question. A big thanks to those of you who've recently signed up for Patreon. Freya W, Chloe C, Annie B, Ali C, and Amy. And I should say thank you to everyone on Patreon because I recently hosted my building Meet Your Neighbors event and I wouldn't have done it without all of your lovely encouragement and this conversation that Vanessa and I had. It was super fun. We had posters everywhere. My neighbor, Caroline, baked a beautiful chocolate cake. It then started to rain horribly, but we said, that's no problem. We'll just go downstairs and the party continued inside. And I really felt so much more at home in the building that I live. So Thanks to patrons for supporting the show and also for helping me meet my neighbors. And I hope you can do something like that, too. It's really fun. That's awesome. I'm so glad that went well. 
Well, today's conversation, Vanessa, is another one I'm hoping you can help me with because I'm really trying to figure out when does middle age start? Um, We heard in the voicemails a couple of estimates of the age when this beautiful stage of life comes. I'm turning 35 this year, and it felt like a moment of like, okay, I'm stepping into a new part of life. And that really came home to me when I recently attended a Zoom retirement celebration for two of our old professors, Dudley Rose and Emily Click at Harvard Divinity School. And both those people had been really encouraging and practically helpful for me, both as a student and afterwards. And you know when you see someone who's really shaped your life in some way, kind of lay down the tools of their trade, right? Like they've completed their teaching careers, they have inspired so many people, and now they're ending that time of work. And it's beautiful, and it's often a little sad, but the feeling that I felt was this sudden weight of responsibility. I was like, oh God, I can never repay to them what they gave to me. I can only pass it on. It was just such a moment of like, oh God, I'm not the young, promising, you know, like flitty, exciting new person on the block. Like, no, this is it. Like, (laughs) this is who the world has now. Like, we don't have Dudley and Emily teaching anymore. Oh God, you know, now it's up to me and, and the people who I was in school with. Now, I'm not a professor, I'm not a teacher, so it's a little easier for me. But nonetheless, that feeling of something being passed on And it now being in my hands felt really real to me. And so I'm sitting with this question of like, what is this new stage of life about? And so that's what I want to figure out in our conversation today. Casper, it's so interesting that you're equating middle-aged with this idea of like, now it's my job to have something to offer people. Now I'm the expert. And I'm wondering if you think that that should be true for everyone or... Do you feel like you now have things to offer younger people? I mean, I definitely feel the responsibility that I should have something sure. to offer. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I think back to my own experience, like when I was 24, 25, I had an incredible mentor um, whose name was Charlotte Miller, and I still love her very much. And she was the age I am now when she sat me down one day and she was like, Casper, I'm going to be your mentor because you're never going to ask for help. And it was just like such an incredible gift to me as this like arrogant and at the same time very insecure 24, 25 year old. And like she really both put me in line in a couple of ways. Like I was always a little bit late for things. And she was like, so what's that about? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And I was never late again. And she was also extremely generous and like sharing resources and tools and like introducing me to meditation. And she really opened the way for me in terms of my career and my self-development in a significant way. And so I think about that and I'm like, oh, wow, like here was someone who is the age I am now and who had such a big impact on me. Like, Am I doing that for someone? I I don't think so. Like, I have a couple of people I'm a conscious mentor for, but it's more responsive. Like, I'm not inserting myself in their life. And I think that really became clear in this Zoom retirement party. I was like, wow, you know, those relationships across generations are so beautiful and so formative. And I've been so lucky to receive them. I have a responsibility to pass it on. And so I think that this stage of, like, moving from young person to middle age... I guess I'm looking for a specific age of when it starts. So I know, like, when am I on the hook for, like, doing this? Like, is it now? 
because I'm turning 35 or is it when I'm 42? Because I would like a plan. So I'm curious how much you're really attached to this idea of it being a general age or the right age for you, right? Because Mm. I would imagine that you have a sense that like some people, for whatever reason, step into like real authority and skill young, like in their late 20s, right? And we see that with like Naomi Osaka. Right. There are now tennis players who are three years younger than she is. And she's like, I will take you under my wing and like do this press conference with me. Here's how to talk about mental health. Mm. And then there are other people, you know, my friend Genevieve is my age. She's 39 and she's just finishing her surgical residency. And like, of course, she has things to teach younger people, but she did two residencies and is, you know, a specialized trauma surgeon and like. Only when she turns 40 will she be a certified surgeon who can start doing that. Mm. So I'm wondering how attached you are to this idea that it's one age for everyone. 40, come on, everyone. We're middle-aged. We should be saving (laughs) for retirement. We should be mentoring young people. You should have done X, Y, and Z. Even if it's non-traditional things, right? I don't think you're saying you need to be married and have 2.5 children and own a home, right? But like that there's some things that by 40 everyone has to have done. Yeah. I mean, ugh, this is one of those things right where you realize something about yourself and you're like, I don't like it. But like, I remember when I got married being like, yes, got in there just before I was 30. Like I married when I was 29. And like, I'm not proud of that, but like, I did feel it. Like I was like, I'm on track. And I'm on track in like a bunch of things I'd say in my work life. We don't own a home. We're a long way from a down payment. Like, that is definitely not happening on that kind of track that somehow culturally is, like, expected of us. So I do feel that is what I'm trying to say. Like, it does feel like there are actual numbers associated to these moments that somehow my brain expects me to hit. But I know rationally that that makes very little sense, right? Our bodies are aging at different levels. I mean, you mentioned a professional athlete, right? Their athletics career, at least as a competitor, is probably going to finish in your 30s somewhere, unless you're Roger Federer or Serena Williams and Venus, right? Like these kind of legends and and heroes of the sport. And they're thinking about retiring like at 41. Right. Yeah. It's not like they're trying to figure out how to play until they're 72. Although, listen, they haven't stopped yet. So we, we may speak too soon. So, yes, the numbers do feel present, even if I know logically that they shouldn't be the driver. I will just tell you that there's something really freeing about watching those milestones that culture wants to oppress us with fly by and be like, nope, I bought my first car at 33. I was like, no, I still don't own a car. I don't need a car. Yeah. It was great. I still can't drive. (laughs) Right. Like, and there are other things, right? Like I started supporting myself financially at 18, which is younger than a lot of other people do, right? Like there's some ways that I've been really ahead and other ways that I've been behind. And I just find such freedom in watching those things blow by. So I just want to offer that to you. Does that sound exciting to you to be like, do you know what? No, I might be 70 and never own a home. And like, who cares? Yeah. Do you know what? That's actually really helpful because one of the things that feels wrapped up in this question is even if I'm getting clearer about, okay, these are the expectations of this age. It also then allows me to be more intentional about being like, but I don't want that. Rather than swimming through like a mossy, gloopy, liquidy situation, be like, okay, these are the options. I take that. I reject that. I want this one. I don't want that one. And like, maybe I want to go cycling through Europe for three months. And like, no, that doesn't make sense. But like, 
it does make sense. You know what I mean? And so to have that, to have that clarity about choosing rather than just falling into, oh, well, this is next, this is next, this is next. That feels really wrapped up in this question for me. And some of those choices that I want to make are about responsibility, right? Like, it's not that I just want, I want to have the best life for me. It's like, no, I've been given things. And so it's my duty and also a pleasure to pass those things on. It's about being intentional and choiceful about what this next half decade from 35 to 40 looks like. Yeah. Something that I've been thinking about a lot as I've turned 39 is two of my favorite writers are Charlotte Bronte and Toni Morrison. Mm. And Charlotte Bronte died at 38, and Toni Morrison published her first novel at 39. Wow. Charlotte Bronte, by 38, had written Jane Eyre and Villette and The Professor, and God only knows what she would have been able to do if she'd lived longer. But that can make me feel really bad about myself to some extent. And then I look at Toni Morrison and obviously I'm going to be the next Toni Morrison. So look out world. Right. But like two of my all time favorite women, like they had such different relationships with their ages. And so I love that you're using this idea of what does society want me to do? And therefore, like, what do I want my relationship with that to be? Well, that's a really good entry into the first text. I brought you a little quote from David Sedaris, who is just one of my all-time favorite human beings. He is an American humorist and author. He started out as this kind of like abstract artist performer. He took a lot of drugs. He did a lot of weird jobs in between. And he always kept a diary. And he writes diaries and essays and memoir with such hilarity, first of all, but also real tenderness. And you might know his story about being an elf at Macy's around Christmas time. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to start with Sedaris's writing. And in this book, Calypso, he has a little quote, which I wanted to pull out, where he says, there are few real joys to middle age. The only perk I can see is that with luck, you'll acquire a guest room. And so I chose this quote because, well, first of all, David Sedaris is gay. Um, and he's been with his partner, Hugh, for a very, very long time. And he writes hilariously about family and children, so I'm sure he enjoys them plenty, but he doesn't have kids. And at this point in my life, you know, definitely still an open question to some extent, but kids are not looking likely or on the horizon. And so I think one of the challenges with this idea of looking at the kind of dominant expectations from society is that, yes, with middle age, certainly after marriage, The next obvious step is like house and children, or at least a dog. And like none of those things are happening. And I look at the sentence and I see, okay, for someone who isn't fitting into that traditional category, like what are the joys of middle age? And Sedaris is pretty, I mean, he's being funny, but like he's not seeing a lot of joy in it, right? Like the only joy is that with luck, maybe you'll acquire a guest room. It kind of looks like a bleak invitation And I think maybe that's a little bit what I'm worried about in this question as well, is like, with youth, you have promise and potential and like new experiences and new opportunities to learn and grow. And like, I'm a bit worried that maybe this is like a time of stasis. And, you know, if I'm honest, like friends who we were very close to, you know, as they're having children, of course, their center of gravity in their family life changes. And so, Like, essentially, are the next 20 years going to be a bleak time where, like, (laughs) all my friends have kids and I'm just like, okay, well, we got a guest room, so I'm just going to go and, like, write hilarious books. I mean, maybe that is what it's about. Well, first of all, I think that this guest room obviously is 
a metaphor <laughs> for financial stability, right? Yeah. Which I would say might be the big perk for lucky people, right? As he says, with luck. Yeah. Lucky people, middle age, in theory, is a time of more financial stability. Yeah. But what I'm hearing you say is like, regardless of whether or not it's middle age, I'm 35 and a lot of my friends have little kids. I don't want to spend the next 20 years of my life hanging out at other people's kids' birthday parties or like I'm happy to do that some of the time, but not all of the time. And so like, where do I find this niche for joy in my life? Yeah, I would say it's adjacent to that. It's like this is happening for other people and that's wonderful. I don't want my life to just look like an absence of that. Like I want something full and it's not going to be the same as kids. And I really honor and recognize that there is a precious joy and suffering that comes from parenting that I I will just never experience. But like I want this next phase of my life to have a fullness rather than just an emptiness in comparison. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. And I feel you as a stepmom, right? Yeah. I'm like a one-eyed monster. I'm like half parent. <laughs> You're the best stepmom though. Like <laughs> legit prize winning. No, I, I'm in this with you, right? Like I, I really feel you. I mean, the question is, like, what do you want to be, right? Like, yeah. do you want a guest room? Like, you potentially have this thing that other people don't have, which is 20 years, God willing, in a stable career and two incomes, no kids, right? Dual income, no kids, dinks. They're the most financially secure people. So, like, what does that look like for your next 20 years? And what does that look like as far as you giving back, you being Dudley and Emily for someone else? If you're not going to have kids, but you want to be a mentor, like, what does that look like? Yeah, that's definitely something I've been thinking about. And I, <laughs> like, I often get asked, and I think you do too, about like, hey, I'm interested in going to divinity school. Like, can, can you talk to me about it? And having had you know, maybe 20 to 40 of those conversations over the last couple of years, I created a Google Doc, which I'm sure we can put in the show notes or something, where I was like, here are all the things that I say in that conversation. Like, this is what I learned. This is what I would recommend. This is how I did it. Obviously, your experience will be your own, but here is what I have to share on that question. And I think one of the things that I felt in that Zoom retirement celebration was like, okay, there's the factual sharing of information, which a Google Doc can do really well. But actually, what these two professors did for people, I mean, this was literally what people said over and over again as they honored these two retirees, was that it was the quality of the attention that they gave to every person who sat down in their office. Now, one of them was like head of the Masters of Divinity program. So that's his job, right? The other one was the head of the, the field education experience where you, you find um, a placement where you get to practice ministry in one way or another. So again, paying attention to students, being with them as they figured out what they wanted to do was part of their job. It's not part of mine, right? I, d I don't work in a university context. I don't work with students directly. So I don't want to like open every hour of the day to talking to anyone who wants to think about divinity school. But it did make me think about a little bit more intentionally, okay, what are the conversations that I do want to make space for with people where I give them that quality of attention? Or or maybe who are the young people already in my life where I can be more present and engaged? And a couple of years ago, I did kind of make a commitment for myself of, of two younger people that I would intentionally check in with and just listen to and be excited for them about what was happening in their life. And I think I want more of that, but it's not 
it's not the fullness of what I want to make this next 20-year theme about. I think it's more than mentorship is, I guess, what I'm saying. So it sounds to me like you're like, I'm turning 35. I want to have this conversation with myself. Like, I want to figure out Mm. what I want the next 20 years to be. And I don't think that you and I are going to figure that out in this episode, like everything (laughs) that you want the next phase in your life to be. But you have this ambivalence about it, right? You brought this question of like, am I now the age where I need to be thinking about this? And so I'm wondering what your mixed feelings are. It's so interesting because actually the way you just asked that question, like a light bulb went off in my brain, which is it's not about like, what do I want to do? But it's more like, how do I want to be? Like for the last 20 years, you know, whatever, I've been like the young person in the room often, or I'm like organizing youth climate actions, or I'm the fresh voice as we're talking about the future of religion. And like, Frankly, I love that role, right? Like you get to be a little cheeky, you get to be inspiring, you don't have to have all the answers, but you get to ask the questions. And I feel like with this moment of turning 35, like that era or that approach or attitude is no longer really describing who I am or who I want to be in this next phase. And so it's not exactly like, what am I doing? But it's like, how am I doing it? And I think that's what I saw in that retirement celebration was like their way of being made space for other people like it was it was generous it was thoughtful it was present and i i want to <laughs> i want to be more like them when i grow up you know like it's that kind of feeling and i haven't even thought that out loud for myself so that's really helpful to to realize that it's like okay what's the yeah what's the tone right like what's the vibe that i'm being in this new stage yeah I mean, I love that. And what I really love about what you're saying is that you're acknowledging that you have a new sort of power. And Hmm. I think it is one of the great psychological violences that people with power can do is pretend like they don't have any or not notice that they have any. Yeah. Right. If you're like, oh, I don't know how to fix that. And it's like, well, you're the one who can fix it. Right. And so if people who have power don't see themselves as having power, the world gets worse under their watch, right? Mm. There's that expression, right? Like, all we need for evil to exist is for good people to stand by and do nothing. And I think that not acknowledging your power is doing nothing, Mm. right? Whereas what it sounds like you're trying to do is step in and be like, no, I'm the one with the energy. I'm the one with the expertise. I'm the one with the organizing power. Okay, like... But but the other thing I hear you saying is, but am I that person? Like, <laughs> I, I don't have that job and I'm not sure that the infrastructure is there. And I, it sounds like you have some of the power that you want to acknowledge and step into. Yeah. And some of the things that you humbly are like, but I don't have the answer. So that's <laughs> not my job. Yeah. Or like, would I be good enough in that role? And I... I I guess I recognize this feeling like other people have talked about that of like when you become a a teacher or the principal or you become the manager or the, you know, the CEO or whatever, um, that you're suddenly in a role where there's expectations of you to to have answers or to at least know how to set direction. And you're like, oh, it's me. (laughs) And just, oh boy. (laughs) Um, And like, I can do the best I can, but like, it still might not be good enough. And I guess that's the uncertainty around this moment is, and maybe that's the uncertainty actually about this stage is that when you're moving from one to another, 
of course you have that uncertainty. And maybe when you're 65 or whenever we transition from like middle age into older age, that there's all that uncertainty all over again um, about kind of taking on this new role. Yeah, that feels that feels like a really good description. Something has changed within me. <laughs> and like, how am I going to be with that change? And what I don't want to do is ignore it in exactly the way that you're saying, because I've seen people do that. And I completely agree with you that it it's irresponsible and it can actually hurt people. And so, yeah, starting with that acknowledgement and then figuring out, okay, how am I going to be with this new access, with this new influence, with this new stability? And it's such a tightrope to walk, right? Because you also don't want to be like, here, I'll mentor you. I have things to teach you. <laughs> and the younger person being like, actually, I don't I don't want to meditate. And no, thank you. <laughs> like, right? Like Charlotte, it really saw there, there was a discernment yeah. for her, which was part of the brilliance of Absolutely. what she did. Right. And so I can just imagine a like bad version of this, of you walking around and being like, here I am. I've noticed this about you, and it's bad. <laughs> You've been waiting for me, even though you didn't know it. <laughs> You're welcome I'm here, right? So there's, like, part of acknowledging your power is actually knowing what your power is, which is really confusing and, like, constantly changes. And yeah. people can think that you have power that you really know that you don't, mm -hmm. and vice versa, right? Like, people can see power in you that you don't realize you have. It sounds to some extent like we've answered your question. Middle age is a different age for everyone. And for you, Casper, it's 35 because it's causing this crisis of phase in my <laughs> life, right? And maybe this is the right moment to turn to the next text because regardless of what it is for everybody else, it's 35 for you and you want to be different. And what does that mean on this like tightrope? So you're telling me I nailed it and I reached middle age before everyone else? Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
So the second text I'm bringing for two episodes running, it's Shakespeare. He's back, old Billy boy. And I'm bringing you from the play As You Like It, a speech by a character called Jack called The Seven Ages of Man. And this this piece of text is very close to my heart because when I was 11, I recited this from memory at my prep school and I felt like very self-involved and incredible. I felt very mature. So as I was thinking about this question, this text came to my mind because what Shakespeare does is I think complicate this idea of middle age. I found it really helpful. So I'm going to read you the first uh, few lines. It goes on much longer than this, but this will give you a sense of what the speech is. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. At first, the infant, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like snail unwillingly to school. So those are the first two stages, and he goes on to describe these these five others of being a lover, a soldier, a justice, an older man, and then someone extremely aged who is kind of like a child again. And Shakespeare is not inventing these seven categories by himself. The concept of seven ages was a kind of medieval philosophical idea, which really echoed this number seven, which is often present in the Bible. Think about the seven deadly sins, for example. But other people split life into different categories. Aristotle had three or four, I think. And so you see basically people in this tradition exploring how to chop up life into these different stages. And I feel like it's helpful for me to look at this speech because it doesn't fall into like childhood, teenager, young adult, middle-aged, old person, or like retiree. It feels more alive and it feels more complicated and at the same time, I'm not exactly sure where I fall. So I, I, I just thought it was like a stimulating text because I probably sit somewhere between the soldier, which he describes as someone full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, like a leopard. And, you know, I have a little facial hair now and then. Mostly it's a comical moustache. That's kind of one place where I sit. And then the justice is probably too old, but the justice he describes as someone who is in round belly with good cap and line. So someone who's maybe, you know, enjoying the stability of a little bit more financial security. So in all of these stages, I mean, they're fun to look at. I'm honestly less interested in these particular stages and more interested in the idea that what if we were to create our own stages? Like, how would I want to describe what this stage is for me? So I know I'm leaving behind this kind of youthful questioning, enthusiastic. I mean, maybe I still want to be enthusiastic, but like there's a youthfulness that I feel like I have completed that phase. So like, what is this next stage and how do I want to describe it? Like, that's what I love in this Shakespeare quote is like, it gives us different language or an invitation to think with different language rather than just being like, oh, it's middle age, which is so meh. Right. And so like the word he uses is soldier, which I would imagine is not a word that you want to use in your <laughs> life i don't know right no right yeah no i it doesn't it doesn't feel very descriptive for me no so like what is the word that you want to use hmm or like i sorry so i to interrupt myself i asked myself that same question and i was like oh no many words <laughs> right <laughs> so i'm also wondering like how that question made you feel 
yeah, I guess this is why I kept going back to that Zoom retirement thing, because that's where I really felt this. And I think one of the words was responsible. Like, that really is a part of it. Like, I, I have responsibilities now, not just for myself and the people I love, but like, for people who look to me for something. Not that I have the answers, but I can offer my attention and my interest. Again, not to everyone, but at least to some people. So that feels like one important word of responsibility. I guess another one is some confidence in knowing some things. Again, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a professor, but like, I do know some things. And I can sit with that more comfortably and share that in a way that doesn't have to be meek. It also doesn't have to be overconfident, but there is a solidity to knowing something that feels really real. And I guess another piece of the energy for me is about so much of my, certainly career has been, like I've ended up co-founding some organizations, creating projects like Harry Potter and the Sacred Text and The Real Question. But I also have an energy of like something more solid rather than exploratory. I'm still figuring out what that really means. And maybe that's what connects with the David Sedaris text as well of like the spare bedroom. Like there's some solidity to that. And that could be in terms of financial security. But I I think for me, it's more about like, there's something in that word, like foundations, solid, enduring, rather than like exploratory and questioning. Yeah. That all sounds quite vague, but that's my first offer. Oh, I don't think that sounds vague at all. I think that that sounds beautiful, right? Like, I mean, what it sounds like, and this goes back to what you were saying with the David Sedaris one of the question is like, what does the spare bedroom mean? And what are you with the soldier, right? You were saying that it's not what you want to do, but it's how you want to be. Yeah, yeah. And it almost sounds like what you want. And you can tell me if I'm projecting incorrectly, but like when somebody asks you something and you don't quite know, like a mantra to recite to yourself of like, I'm in a phase where Mm. I want to be responsible and where I want to be present, right? Or whatever it is. And like, let that decide your next move. Because I think part of what you're saying here is that in youth, you did youth well. Mm. And I don't think that everybody does do youth well, right? But you Mm. are naturally a questioner and an extrovert who will like go out and try things. And there's the expression of like youth is wasted on the young and like it was not wasted on you, right? Like Mm. you went out in the world and tried and did and failed and succeeded, right? Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like there's just some pressure of like, I want to do middle age well, and it d- isn't going to come as naturally to me as youth did. Yeah. And so who do I want to be? Yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder if like, that's what it is, is like coming up with some sort of just like three word mantra of these are my three things. Mm. These are the three things I'm concentrating on. Mm. Yeah. It's making me think about friends who at the beginning of the year will choose like a theme for the year. And that's that kind of guiding orientation of like, I'm going to try and say yes to adventure or to creativity or, you know, something like that. So like when you're given a choice and be like, well, which one's more adventurous? That's the direction we're going on. Oh, I like that a lot. Responsibility sounds less fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's what you're responsible to. Yes, that's true. Because I do, I, I think that's wrapped up in this for me as well as like, the solidity and the and the knowing something and the kind of taking responsibility also allows, you know, if we take a nature image, like a tree can grow deeper and taller 
because it has those things, right? It's not moving around all the time or it's not trying lots of different things. There's more stability to be able to grow deeper roots and taller branches. That's an image that might be helpful for me. To be like those giants from my divinity school experience, they stayed in the same place for a really long time in terms of their work. Yeah. You know, the team they had together didn't have any staff turnover for more than a decade, which yeah. is frankly unheard of, because they were all so stable and it worked really well for them. It was a really functional, loving environment. And, you know, Vanessa, the thing that really stayed with me from those conversations was the other staff members who worked with them said, yes, you were excellent professors. Yes, you were excellent administrators, right? Like deans in the school. But the thing that you were always first was ministers because you helped us know that the thing that was most important was our daughter's dance recital, was the health of our partner. You helped us be human and loving together. And that's you know, people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That's that piece in here that I want to grow into is like the way I shape teams or the way I shape projects, the way how I am, that's like, that's the biggest impact you'll actually ever have on people, on the world. And I want to take that seriously rather than maybe, you know, learning something new or meeting some people or there's a I guess a centeredness, maybe that's a word I can sit with. Yeah, just this loving presence that doesn't maybe not come naturally to me, but I really, I really respect and appreciate in the people who I feel it from. I just want to say how much I love and respect you because I feel like, I feel like you're asking such a beautiful opening question. You could have asked this question about like, I'm not young anymore. And instead it's this like, who do I want to be? be, which I just think is such a beautiful way of framing, framing this transition. Mm. Yeah. I just want to say that to you. I'm really moved by the core of your question and the struggles that you have with it. And I have no doubt, right? Like, and you know this, right? It doesn't matter which words you choose. It matters, you know, what your commitment is to them. There's so many different wonderful ways to be. Hmm. There's so many different wonderful ways to be, right? Dudley and Emily were wonderful in a particular way, but you know, hmm. we know we know wonderful people who do that a million different ways. Hmm. Uh, you know, I I I really look up to Terry Tempest Williams who's traveling all the time and is right like in can often be inaccessible because she's off meeting with like tribal leaders about the best ways to address climate change in Utah. So yeah, I can't get her mm. on the phone, but like, you know, <laughs> but when I'm with her, I'm the only person in front of her. Yeah, that's helpful. Emily and Dudley and all of their brilliance, right? Like, I would just invite you to expand your scope as you're thinking about mm. who you want to be and how you want to be. Like there are other people you respect who are in the world differently than them. 100%. Yeah, that feels that feels liberating honestly because I think sometimes I can feel like if I'm emulating, you know, we've named Dudley and Emily, but there are so many others that I'll just be falling short because I'm not I'm not as wise or I'm not as loving and gentle. And so it is really figuring out, okay, what does this stage look like for me? And how do those themes of responsibility and confidence and stability show up in my expression? 
which may have echoes of others, but they're also going to be different. Well, Casper, I am so excited to see who you're going to be in this next phase. I hope that you're similar in many, many ways to previous Casper. But there are also some things that could use improvement. So just kidding. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope it's not a total change because I love this you. But mm. I'm really excited to know this next phase mm. of you. Thank you, love. I'm going to know you for the rest of your life. I'm going to know you through so many phases. Isn't that so fun? It is really fun. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that. Like, we're still at the beginning of our friendship. I know. You're going to live to 92. I'm going to live to 86. So we've got a long way to go. We're going to die at the same time about. I'm four years older than you. Oh. We're going to die about the same time. Yeah, I get to go first. Ugh, yeah. I hate that for us. Well, I'll send you the information about my funeral because I've written it all down. Okay, great. It's in the will. Yeah, I can take care of that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Vanessa. And thank you, David Sedaris and William Shakespeare. Bill. Yeah, this was really helpful. Good old Bill. Yeah, Billy boy. And we want to thank Hannah Osterwick, who sent in this snuggle while you still can, which is found in a bathroom stall in her college. Oh, I love that. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing an episode on the question, should I go back to school? Uh, and so we'd love to hear voicemails from you if you have a story about going back um, into education a little bit later in life and what your experience was. Good, bad, wonderful, depressing, all the things. And you can send those voicemails to realquestion at notsorryproductions.com. You've been listening to The Real Question. We can only make this show thanks to the incredible patrons who are supporting the show. So please help us out if you're enjoying it. Send a couple of dollars our way at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. And if you love the show, you can share it with friends on social, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod and on Twitter at the Real Q Pod. And you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are a Not Sorry production and our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Bull and we are distributed by Acast. We'd like to thank Allison, Kristen, and Scott for their voicemails, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Molly Baxter, Stephanie Paulsell, Laura Glass, Emma Smith, and all of our patrons. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.